Your ears do not deceive you. You have just entered the Cryptid Creator Corner brought to you by your friends at Comic Book Yeti. So without further ado, let's get on to the interview. Hey Yeti, what's shaking? Yeah, I did see that Mechatel was crowdfunding on Kickstarter now. I love that book. I was in backer for the single issues myself. That whole creative team is great. I love Fernando Pinto's artwork, and it reminds me so much of hanging out with my friends in middle school and playing Nintendo, well, minus the giant mutant bugs from outer space swooping in and trying to take over part. Wait, you can make a transformation sound? Who knew? Yeah, that power gauntlet is cool. Whatever Derek touches can transform him into an alien annihilating mech. Even a hot dog cart, too. Too funny. Where can people go to back it? They can head on over to Kickstarter and search for Mechaton, M-E-C-H-A-T-O-N, or just check the show notes. I'll make it easy for them. It runs all of February, and it's awesome that everything is done and looks like a really quick turnaround for backers. And that exclusive Jason Muir cover is awesome. He's doing Spider-Man stuff now. Did you just really say Fuyo? You gotta get off TikTok, man. This is Byron O'Neill, your host for today's episode of the Cryptid Creator Corner. We've got a really good one because I'm joined by co-creators Pornsack Pichetchot and Jesse Lonergan, who have a new pet-centric space adventure called Man's Best, dropping soon from Boom Studios. You likely know Pornsack from some of his other work, the Eisner and Harvey award-winning The Good Asian, The Sandman Universe, The Dead Boy Detectives, and one of my personal favorites, Infidel. And Jesse has applied his unique artwork stylings for IDW, the wordless Eisner-nominated. Okay, are we going with uh, like UK English or are we going with American English? <laughs> Hedra or Hedra? I say Hedra. Um, okay, Hedra from Image Comics and Miss Truesdale and the Fall of Hyperborea from Dark Horse. Jesse, Pornsack, welcome to the show. How's things? How are you doing? Hey. Hey. Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm doing good. I don't, for anyone, I've been, the, before this has gone on, I've been apologizing to both these guys and how like ominous I, I look on the screen. For anyone who's not, who's not listening to this and watching this on a video feed, I, the, the most, the most um, embarrassing thing is I have an enormous lamp in front of me that I have no idea how to turn on. So it looks as dark as it does right now. So I apologize. <laughs> Pornsack is illuminated by a cell phone. So. Yes, yes. Oh, uh, yeah. just, just see. The, otherwise, I would just be a black silhouette right now. Um, it, Jesse had the the, the 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 genius stroke of actually turn on the the phone light. Otherwise, I would just be a black silhouette, as if I was in witness. Darth, Darth Vader in the corner. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, well, you're focusing on man's best today. It is certainly not that dark. I, d- I do not get like horror vibes from, from reading the first issue of this. Basically, you know, my read was it's homeward bound 2099. All right. That's yeah. how I've come to think oh, yeah. of it. I like, I like that. I like okay. that. All right. Yeah. Well, we love our association in comics, but it's it's a bit more than like an idol reference point because the original 1993 release had a bulldog, a golden retriever, and a Himalayan cat, which sound a little bit familiar. So was this like a big childhood movie for you both or something or? Uh, You know, it it honestly, it wasn't a big childhood uh, movie for me. I, funnily enough, I discovered it. uh, I worked on We Three with Grant Morrison and and Frank Whiteley 
I, I always I always slip and call him by his real name. And then I was like, nobody knows who that who that is. Uh, and, and Frank Whiteley. And at the time, uh, Grant was referring to it as the Incredible Journey from the, the original 1960s version of Homeward Bound. So it was like much later that I realized that, oh, the Incredible Journey is sort of Homeward Bound. Uh, but I, I, so I saw it as an adult. And the thing that I got from it, it, it's so fascinating. But if, by the way, if you watch The Incredible Journey and then Homeward Bound, like back to back, because The Incredible Journey is on the one hand amazing. On the other hand, if you love animals, you will be horrified because it's just animal stunt. They're like, oh, they probably drowned the cat making, having it cross this river. I think they really had a porcupine shoot quills. And I thought, like, it's like, it, it, it's harrowing to watch. But at the same time, it's actually great cinema. And you're just like, oh, well, this is this is completely riveting. This, this whole thing should be shut down. And then, and then Homer Bound is not that at all, but it takes all that and replaces it with all this heart and this story about friendship and, and, and all that. And so it, oddly enough, uh, both of those ended up very much um, being huge, uh, being huge influences on Man's Best, which, like you say, is uh, Homer Bound, Homer Bound 2099, Homer Bound in Space. And, and so a lot of it was, okay, well, <laughs> we can endanger animals without regard to, like, the safety of those animals. So let's throw them in crazy sci-fi set pieces in the same way Incredible Journey had these amazing set pieces for animals that were just, you just had to be a horrible human being to actually film them. And then with all like the heart and the friendship that sort of Homeward Bound, that Homeward Bound has. And that's kind of, but it can, it's actually more of an adult idea than a, uh, than a, than a kid's idea. That, you know, the, the influence is more on me as an adult than as a kid, actually. Okay. Well, to kind of fill everyone in on the basic beats of the story, you have three emotional support pets on a spaceship traveling with a crew of folks who are trying to find a new planet for humanity after we jacked everything up. So the ship crashes, the crew is missing and presumed captured, and the lovable trio set off and try to save the day with the assistance of some advanced tech. So Yes. Yeah. So, Hornsight, you've, you've called this possibly your most personal book ever? Yes, I have. Right. And, but, and but, but so, and by the way, before we we get into that, I also have to say when we say advanced tech, uh, we're we're talking because I love what Jesse does. We're talking about cat mech. Uh, uh, we're talking about a ragdog cat with cat mech, a bulldog with a rocket strapped to his back, and a bionic golden retriever that can make force fields. And that's all Jesse. That's all. Like I was just like, give him give him stuff to put on, and like Jesse came up with all that, which delights me to no end. <laughs> Well, I mean, there was like a functional idea, uh, yeah. and then I, I just sort of like one of the things that sort of like the ideas is that it's like these very cute sort of things, which I don't feel like within comics I've had that much of a chance to do, um, and sort of like kind of trying to like make these sort of mechs, but like cute, <laughs> um, and so like you know giving making that there's sort of like a, a sense of humor about sort of the design of the characters and, and how things work. And so it's like, not necessarily like functional, uh, like, I don't, I don't think you could put a rocket on a bulldog, um, <laughs> but like that it, it sort of creates this sort of fantasy uh, aspect to the story. Um, and so I, I just got to have fun with it. Yeah, and there and there actually is an in-world sort of reason for that too, because uh, the reason why these these pets have this mech is that their owner is kind of like the 
the spacious resident genius scientific sort of wizard and um and she has the resources to make pet mech for all intents and purposes and so for the same reason why people are because of these videos that were very influential in the creation of this comic the same reason why people put their pets their dogs in like ups outfits or like chucky the the chucky the dolls or you know mike myers and just have them run around because it's adorable that's why the doctor has her, her pet in sort of like mech outfits so there's a kind of an in-universe reason in-world reason for it being sort of as cute as it is too but uh, but yeah, but going back to your original question of like what makes it so personal, you know, it's it, it it didn't start off well. Actually, no, I guess it did start off this way. I mean, so much for this book, I uh, you know, I think the natural response that people had, I think, was what was the question that you had was, oh, did you watch sort of Homeward Bound or An Incredible Journey as a kid, and it made this impact to you, impact for you, and, and that's why you wanted to do this. But what I what really inspired this for me was it was very much I mean this book was such a reaction of coming out of the pandemic and watching you know so many people I know I, I've been saying this a lot it, you know I, I've been saying this a lot you know talking about this book is that I lived before the pandemic I lived in a building that had no pets and then during the pandemic it allowed for emotional support animals uh you know, during the pandemic, and now there are pets all over the all over the building, and everyone's got a pet in this building, and and I so many of my friends end up getting pets sort of through it, and so it was so much about just how these creatures that we come to for hope and inspiration, like what do they do when they go for look to for hope and inspiration, and so so it came from like this personal, and so a lot of it was processing, you know that and what happens to friendships during crisis was kind of like the way, you know, this book to me was, was a way of accessing those, those ideas. And, but it got, it was, what was very, very interesting was as I was writing, and I give Eric Harbour and our editor all the credit for this, for pushing me further and further when all I wanted to do was write about cute animals, was that he, um, he just kept getting, pushing me further and further until I kind of realized like, wow, there are conversations and realizations and fights that I've had in these past three or four or five years that I can actually see echoed a version of them. You know, there's a funhouse mirror in which genre works, but I can see them in the pages of the book in a way that, you know, I, I, my work gets um, described as personal a lot. But the thing I find fascinating is most of the thing that the most of the ways that my work tends to be personal in the past is because it's coming from a very specific um, perspective. That is personal to me, uh, you know, as a person of color, as an Asian, as Thai, whatever the case may be. But rarely in my books does something happen to me and that thing happens in the book. Like that's never, that's never, not usually how I work. And so this is the closest I've come to that, even though it's about cats with mech and dogs with rockets strapped to their backs. I actually do see in, again, in that funhouse mirror way the genre works events that I've gone through and realizations I've made and conversations I've had, like in the context of the, uh, uh, in the, in the pages of this book. So that's, that's, that's how the book is personal to me. And it's a new way of working for me. Um, I, I'm not used to it and uh, I don't, and, and we'll see. We'll, uh, it, it, uh, yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting to try some more of it. Well, you know, kind of in terms of themes, you know, in my read, read through it, the big one was, was friendship. Um, and, yeah. and you talking about COVID, like, 
there's there's a heartstring that pulls to me in this book. You know, I spent a lot of time on the road with rock bands over a decade of my mm. life. You know, uh, you know, the buddy adventure and the road life share so many parallels. Yeah, um, which I think is why it's hit home. And I lost one of my best friends from that era. Oh, sorry. You know, during during the COVID timeframe. So it's it's still a fresh wound. You know, like this book reminded me like the life is ephemeral. You know, and and yeah. we, we tend to lose. <clears throat> some of that, you know, those associations and friendship and stuff in our day-to-day sort of task-oriented move, move, move existence, right? So was there like a, a true north? Was there something you both wanted to maintain in terms of a, a specific feel, you know, a motive feel? I, yeah, I, I, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to talk about how I, I, the thing that was my kind of North Star was just despite the the energy and the fun and the hijinks of it all, this idea that friendship can be really fragile. And, you know, with the pets for themselves, they are, and this was always the model that I was going off of, they were sort of, um, they grew up kind of in the sort of the lap of luxury or lap of safety. And now for the first time, they feel crisis, they feel danger. And one of the things they realized is all these differences that were quirks when they were together in safety now threaten to really tear them tear them apart, and and that is something that, you know, I I don't think I'm the alone in this. Uh, definitely felt sort of coming through and coming out of COVID. I mean, yeah. I coming out of COVID, not, not thank God, uh, not uh, not physically, not life or death, but I did sort of lose a friendship kind of coming in through COVID, but going out through COVID in the sense of you know one of my best friends we no longer talk, and a lot of it, a lot of that processing of how. We were always kind of different people. And then we really started to grow apart when, you know, when with crisis, with all the stakes that happened and sort of with crisis, that, um, that, that a lot of that and trying to wrap my head around that, that was really sort of the emotional engine for me as I was writing the book, even though it is very much about, you know, you know, it's about cats and dogs in space. So it's fun and it's all that, but there is that, that heartstring of it. It's like friendship is friendship is can be very fragile and, and how do you protect it can you protect it you know um at what point you know how hard can you try before you realize sometimes circumstances will come up where you're just too far apart and you and you can't come together and so a lot of that was kind of working in the in, in the story itself for me well there are lots of other pet centric stories right now in our popular media possibly more than ever before certainly more than i can remember so what about using them as such a favorable analog to telling a story ultimately about us and the human condition? The, the, thing, the thing I love about, you know, my, all of my uh, friends who have pets sort of say the same thing is just that with our pets, we, we project so much of ourselves. It, like, it's impossible not to project yourself onto your pets or people to project. You know, like everybody sees themselves and their pets but also everyone sees their friends and their friends pets like you know like oh yeah he of course your dog is neurotic because you're a fucking mess and yeah and and all that kind of stuff like it's so hard not to so it ends up being this great you know you don't really have to do that much before you end up you know humanizing them and anthropomorphizing them you know and 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 so in a lot in that way a lot of that the work is already sort of done for you but but also too i mean like one of the things I also wanted the book to kind of be about, and, and it's a fascinating thing that I think is happening right now. And like this book is coming out at the same time as uh, 
as Tony Fleek's and Trish Forster's sequel to Stray Dogs, Feral, um, you know, Tom King and Peter Gross's um, Animal Pound just came out, just launched in December. And one of the things that I think all those stories have, and I've, I've had the benefit, Animal Pound's out, so everyone's read it. I've had the benefit of reading Feral, uh, the first couple issues of Feral, is there is this theme, and I'm, we're definitely tapping into Man's Best, this idea of just feeling insignificant in sort of in the grand scheme of all the, the crazy shit that's happening in the world right now. And then there's a little bit of two of just like how much of that can make a difference and how do you survive, you know, you know, it, what does hope look like and, and what does agency look like during, during all that sort of stuff. So for me, that a lot of that was kind of like what was baked in there as well. And, and I think, you know, animals, these small animals that don't seem like they do much, you know, is, is a really great way to sort of tell that story kind of when we're in this time where it seems like there's a lot of, you know, big, horrible things happening in the world that we may or may not be able to affect at, at all. Well, Jesse, the translation falls to you, you know, <laughs> they need to maintain yeah. that balance of being similar enough to us, but not so anthropomorphic that they lose the identity of what they are, right. you know, and uh, I've seen that presented in a wide spectrum. So, you know, in terms of putting this stuff together visually, was it something you were trying to be super conscious of? Because there's a there's definitely one of the things I love about your work is the emotive quality of it that you're you're able to inject into these characters. Yeah, I mean it's probably the complicated thing uh, in terms of like uh, getting stuff down and like like when you say the emotive quality, I'm like I think I know what that means. Um, but I think like part of it is like you know the the way. I draw like, you know, like that it, it, it is like, it's clearly someone's hand making it. And so it gives it that like humanity as opposed to things that maybe look a little more perfect. Um, like, yeah. um, you know, I, I've kind of got these like wobbly expressive lines and sort of like trying to, to use the line work sort of to, to get at what like these characters are feeling. And so, like with um lovey the french bulldog like he's a grump like you know like <laughs> and, and like like really like trying to be like okay the way i'm gonna draw this is is a grump like this is <laughs> so and hopefully it, it gets that you know sort of performance across that you sort of you you look at him and you understand <laughs> where where he's coming from but before you necessarily get any verbal proof that he's a grump it's pretty quick that you get uh him being a grump but like and trying to then like you know get more positivity into porthos and stuff who's, who's the golden retriever um and sort of like i don't know sort of holding those emotions while like sort of rendering these, these characters um yeah the the emotive quality i guess the the that really came out to me. And obviously we always bring our own filters into everything that we're reading, you know, um, the line work, I guess the expressions, what I'm getting at is, uh, I don't know if either of you are familiar with like Norman Bridwell and like his Clifford children's books, which mm -hmm. I think did just like a oh, sure. masterful example of like really simplistic line work, really simplistic color work, um, that, that gave the animal, you know, a very strong emotive range, you know, just yeah. that, that ability mm -hmm. to, to associate those emotions. Um, that we have. So kind of walk me through how you conceptualized the characters. Like, are you, is this your dog, like your golden retriever, or, you know, like friend's um, golden retriever? Or? 
No, I mean the the the, the French bulldog uh, is is based on uh, a dog my dad had uh, okay. named Sammy, who you know the French bulldog. Like, uh, and and I went. I, don't, I forget what it was originally, but I requested uh, that yeah. it be uh, a French bulldog. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that one sort of based on that. Um, haven't had a golden retriever um, and cats. My dad had a cat. So it's not like <laughs> one specific one. Okay. Uh, and I'm very much like more of a, a dog person. <laughs> um, and, but like, yeah, it's sort of like, I don't know. There's, <laughs> there's a challenge of just sort of like, it, it's kind of an impressive thing of like, you were talking about, like we identify with dogs and we put so much in dogs. It's like, they really don't, actually have that many expressions like <laughs> you, you know yeah. like like people talk about like you know evolutionary and like the human face has all these muscles in it so that we can make all these expressions and like dogs really don't have, have <laughs> yeah. those things and sort of like you know in sort of some ways it's it's kind of like that inability allows us sort of to put more into yeah. it because like there's more of like an you're not going to get the same kind of grimace uh, right. that you will. And so I, I feel like at once it's sort of this challenge of like putting expression into an animal face, mm. which isn't necessarily like capable of it. Like they can't really yeah. like raise an eyebrow. Yeah. Um, they don't smile, but we they don't smile. Say, oh, like, yeah. Dogs yeah. smile, but they really don't <laughs> um, like, and sort of that, but then also it's sort of that, like, cartooning quality of like well the more you simplify it the more sort of you know people are able to sort of identify with it sort of put their their own sort of feelings in there and make that that connection um and so you know it's it's creating that situation where that's possible that that someone can can connect uh, well i'm going to bring these colors and all that stuff to to emphasize those sorts of things yeah, I'll brag on you for a sec um, because there's like an overall softness. I feel like is super well suited to you know this this buddy adventure. You know that the color work that you're referencing there, I thought was really really nuanced because like it's a it's a slightly you know blockier brush that mm-hmm. that you're using, which kind of bucking the trend uh, of a lot of color you're seeing today, where you have these you know smoother transitional blending. Yeah. Um, so it's got, it gives it a bit of a watercolor vibe um yeah you know is that is that kind of a signature look of yours like i was going back through your website and you know seeing how you you use that on some other projects but on on others you didn't so Mm -hmm. i didn't know if it's it's a case-by-case basis um coloring i think skill-wise is sort of like my most recently developed uh ones and so it's it's like i feel like it's sort of like constantly evolving um and to some extent, I, I just feel like there are sort of like idiosyncratic ticks that I don't like that super smooth coloring. Like I, I just it doesn't doesn't appeal to me. And I kinda I kind of feel like with like when I when I when we're talking about like line work, I feel I have this like kind of like it's it's controlled, but it's kind of clumsy, clunky sort of look to it of like, you know, people have asked if I have a palsy or something. Um, that that leads wow. to like the okay. line work looking the way it does, uh, <laughs> which I find like I'm like no, um, 
That's not something you say thank you to. Like, yeah, no. it's, it's, wow, okay. But like, but like people like talk about like these wiggly wobbly lines, and it it for me it's like I, I like that quality, and it's something that I like bring into it because I feel we're that's that's humans. Like we're we're wiggly and wobbly, we're idiosyncratic and weird, and so you should have that in your art. And sort of like coloring wise, I kind of like that same sort of thing. And so like it's it's getting that sort of like personal quality into it. I think, you know, I I like that effect. And then I think there are also things maybe that are just like sort of me personally. Like I, I lean towards really light palettes. Um yep. I, I feel like I lean towards pastels. Mm-hmm. Um I, I really like do not like oversaturated colors um and so like i'm always like that and i i feel it's like to a degree where it's like oh i've already gone as light as i can go like 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 i cannot be any more pale i need to like darken <laughs> i need to darken other aspects of this page up if i want this lightning to actually look like lightning because it's so i've been so pale um and that's sort of just like this balancing act of like what works with the the artwork, the the ink artwork, and what creates the effect? And it's I still it, a struggle I mean, it, for me. <laughs> it, it, it reminded me. I kept coming back mentally to thinking about when I was a kid and dipping Easter eggs, you know, yeah, in, yeah. in the dye, and the ones you don't leave long enough, right? Yeah, and they have that softness to it, and that yeah. that's that was my uh, my my association, and it. I think that made it also in my head much more approachable. Um, mm-hmm. For you know, uh, for everybody, right? I, I mean, Pornsai, you were talking off air before. You know, like it's not marketed specifically for all ages, but it is very approachable to to younger readers because you have you have peril, but I feel like the peril is softened by the way Jesse you are laying things out. So I feel like it's much much more approachable to to younger kids in that way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely one of the other. Uh, inspirations i don't know if it's the right word but one of the other instigators for this book too was just like i was tired of being at like new comic book day things where there's like free comic book day things and having to like warn children from getting too close to the table because everything yeah. i do is all like curse filled or people like dying in like very horrendous ways and this adorable child would run up i'll be like no get away don't get too close don't pick this up so it was I, I, the part of it was like the idea to actually have something that i wouldn't have to shield from a child is it was great and the other thing too i think which is going to be great when this book is eventually collected going to something that jesse was saying is that when you flip through these pages jesse goes through so many goes through the complete range of this book. it's really like even in an issue it's really cool but like when when the whole series is laid out like there's just so many different um whatchamacallit there, there there's just so many different palettes and different pieces and and different like styles kind you know in densities it, it's i'm i'm really really excited for how it's gonna it's gonna look specific like just a random flip through those pages when the whole book is put together it's gonna look really really cool all right let's take a quick break what in the sam hill is happening right now what is that you like bards yeah oh you like band of bards it's not my fault you mumble that makes sense. 
They're dropping some great new series right now. There's that one about a heavy metal guitarist in the 1970s with monsters, working class wizards. You know how we love monsters around here. And my friend Dakota Brown, he's working on a project, uh, Grandma Tilly's Hell Tech Mech with Lane Lloyd. I saw the preview for that. That is crazy. Jimmy even contributed to their anthology from the static and had Matt Sumo on the podcast to talk about his project, The Bardic Verses, which makes a lot of sense that the project landed there. Where can you find them? You need to get out more. They are in previews or you can visit their website, bandabards.com for all the latest. Can we turn the music off now? Thank you. No more surprises, minstrels or anything like that, or I'll rent you out to the Ren Fair as a children's ride. Let's get back to the show. So you, you talked about having to change the way you write in order to accommodate everything that Jesse was bringing to the table. So how did, how did that manifest? Oh God. Um, I mean, we can get really, really into the weeds uh, of it just in a, on a technical nuts and bolts way of just like, and it was really, and it's fun. It, it, it definitely changed the way, right. Just going forward where one of the things, because Jesse, you know, if, if you're a fan of Jesse's work at all, and I very much was, uh, and still am, uh, but, uh, but, is is his is his pacing and 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 his and his rhythm and so I didn't want to do anything I wanted to find a way to maximize that as much as I could so I didn't get in the my my tendencies didn't get in the way of that because that's what I love about Jesse's work so you know so even something for something like this is I write this book in a completely different way you know I me and Jesse talked early on about how like I was going to do five panels for every page in my scripts and for action sequences there'd be four panels. And then he would have the complete freedom to add as many beats or subtract as many beats or whatever, how he wants. And even writing in that way was an interesting thing for me because my tendency was like, oh, let's go close up here or let's do a, you know, let's go for this here. And I kind of had to really simplify everything to like, this is the action. This is the action and really give Jesse that freedom to decide like, all right, how is this action going to be broken down? And, you know, coming from the comics that I've had, I'm very used to breaking down those pieces. And now is very much of just kind of laying it out step by step by step by step by step to, to the point now of like, it's funny, I'm working with, uh, with Alex on something else, a short story that we're doing. And, and, and I worry now, like when I go to the scripts, am I like, am I, for, am I forgetting to do pieces of the work now of like breaking stuff out? Cause I've gotten so used for Je- to Jesse of just being like, this is the action here. This is the action here. This is the action there kind of thing. But, but the cool thing for me anyway, cause it added a new skill set for, for me was when you're working that way, it almost turns into i thought a lot about like how that whole like name that tune thing is like i can you know pick that song in two notes i can pick that song in one note a lot of gotcha. it is like here's everything i want to ha- have done in this page all right what's the least amount of action like do i really need this to get that sequence now i probably don't what is the least amount of like action to actually to communicate the sequence that i that i have and that and me realizing like oh you know i don't need to have this or that i can just say it this is the sentence that kind of incorporates all that so that was a that was a fun sort of new tool to get in my my bag of tricks now sort of like you know have we're working on this book but yeah that's like on the complete just sort of like nuts and nuts and bolts i mean but everything about this book um everything about this book is everything about this book is different for me you know like it's it's you know i i i, I had to throw out a lot of bag of tr- a lot of the tricks that i've used in my last few books i've had to throw out just because I'm dealing with, you know, those books were dealing with more overtly mature and co- complex themes. And, and this one still does, but it's, 
but but it's more in the background than it is in the foreground. It doesn't sort of really hit your head over them with them the same way, even though there's still this, you know, actually in a lot of ways, it's more complicated than a lot of the stuff that I was working on before. Um, but also too, like a lot of it has to work as pure drama and comedy. Um, and, and so you don't get to, you know, sometimes you can use tricks like voiceover or, you know, cool pieces or whatever the hand to just, uh, paper over the fact that oh your scene doesn't actually work dramaturgically, and and you, and when you strip things down in such a way like you you, you you don't have anything you can't hide behind any of that stuff. Yeah, there's one moment um, really stood out for me. There's a bunch of black square panels. There's ten of them. Yeah. You know yeah. they break between pages. I can't recall actually having seen this before, and it's kind of a a masterful stroke there in comics narration. Because if I was writing this, I never would have thought of presenting like a fade to black moment uh, in that way. But it's it's kind of a, an exhalation, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's a call to pause. So was, was that, whose idea was that? That's all Jesse. That's all Jesse. <laughs> okay, okay. I thought I like freaked yeah, out. I yeah, loved it, it so it's, much. It, it's kind of the total opposite. Like he's like, oh, I try to reduce and reduce and reduce. And I'm like, how many panels can yeah, I put yeah. on a page? Like, and, and so like, I felt, I, I guess I feel like I'm, I'm coming from a very different perspective where I'm like, yeah, one panel, two panel, three panels. Like, <laughs> uh, like it, it doesn't really matter. Like, I think some people like, like he's, he counts the panels. And I don't know how many panels. Are on page. <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah, I don't know, 50 maybe. Uh, I think we'll see what happens, whether at issue five, like it's too dense, but like, yeah, I just sort of, I think of using like the panel as like you know like it's its own tool like mm -hmm. you know and sort of you can you know in some some cases it just makes things easier to draw just split things into two panels or whatever but also that like it has its own sort of feeling to it and like when you if you draw like one big blank black panel or if you draw the same thing that's four or five, like it, it changes the way it works and the way it feels because there's that element of thinking of it meaning time. There's the element right. of people right. thinking of it, of it sort of just serving as to me more of a break. Like, and it's, it's, it's just using that sort of graphic element um, to create that feeling of time passing and enough time for <laughs> However, many things have happened, um, but yeah, lots of panels. Oh, yeah, <laughs> like it's true. What he said is like he did write five, and I don't know. There's very few pages I think where there's only five panels. Yeah, um, yeah, very, very. You know, it's, it's I remember. I, I think in issue because you, you, we just got the art in for issue four, and there is one page I wrote is four panels that actually came back and forth, and I was literally shocked. I was literally like, wait, 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 there's only four panels on this page. I'm like, I think it's the only four panel page in the entire book. Yeah. Well, like, it's, it it's works like perfectly, just, but I was like, whoa, this is so yeah. cool. Um, yeah, it's, it's whatever is necessary, it yeah. feels like. It, and, and it's the other thing that I think is fascinating is just whenever I hear Jesse talk about it, I, I think it's so interesting because there it really is sort of like this yin yang sort of push and pull thing. That, that sort of happens because like I, as you're talking, I realized like I totally forgot about it until you started talking. But like the other reason for me and it dries up my our, our poor, my poor uh, letter of crazy. I've worked with him for many projects now, Jeff Powell, 
Um, but like there's half as many words in this book as there usually is in, in my sort of stuff. I am driving Jeff so much more crazy with half as many words because there be, because now there's a pressure of making sure there's just as much content, even though there's less there's less verbal language. And so much of that discipline is, is so that Jesse so that my words aren't getting in the way of, of everything Jesse wants to do. But then for me, the pressure is like, okay, if I was only three words in this pen, are these three words really doing it? Is it are these those the right three words? Is this the right is this the right three words? And so it's I found it very interesting. That, so you're going back and forth with him? Oh yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> yes, yes, and, and and I'm getting better at it. I'm definitely getting better at because he's because I know I'm driving him crazy. Because but but there's a little bit of like yeah, those aren't the right three words. Like those aren't the right three words to communicate that thing that I need. But when you have and it, and it's it's you know it what you know artists talk about and when you talk about Alex Toth and and Darwin Cook and all that sort of stuff, like you know. You, you're you're that much more conscientious when you're using a fewer lines than you are with sort of like multiple when you're going all crosshatchy. And it's I I've been I found it interesting. It's the same thing on this book with me for language. Is that because I've pared down the language, um, the the I feel so much pressure about it uh, on the precision of the language, even though it's meant to feel free flowing. And 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 poor Jeff gets nothing but the nothing but the turmoil of it all. Yeah. So is that the trickiest bit of scripting for you that with this particular book, like that challenge of being yeah, less wordy? I, again, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And again, it's it's a lot of you know throwing out throwing out tricks that I've I've learned and things yeah. that, and things I might have used as a crutch that kind of thing. There is, and again, it is a way to um, to paper over holes dramaturgically of. I can use voice to cover a fact if a scene isn't working. You know, I I I can use a funny voice. I can use a I I I, I can use a lyrical voice, and you can cover the fact that oh, this scene doesn't actually work, but you're taken by a voice that carries you along, so you 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 don't realize that. And so now the challenge, though, is I've got a lot less, you know, for all intents and purposes, linguistically, I've got less colors to. In, in in my in my toolbox to sort of paint with, but at the same time, the the experience needs to be the same. So you know, the three there's three voices that have to feel just as distinct, that have to feel just that have to have as much life, that have to feel nuanced. Uh, there are still themes that we sort of have to communicate, um, but at the same time, I've set up this, I, I've restricted myself for 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 a lot of the tools for which to do that and then the question is well how do how do you do that um but then the good news is is that like i get to have awesome pages come back that has all these cool stuff that never would have been possible if i had like you know 200 words on a page or you know whatever the case the case would have been yeah i mean it feels like ultimately there's a double meaning um to this book you know man's best yeah. the obvious correlation is man's best friend but my read was, you know, our pets tend to reflect the best of us. Loyalty, yes. kindness, positivity. So you've got that trio where there are specific traits, you know, Avengers assemble, like what yeah. needed to be in your team. It it read in the first issue a little differently than than I anticipated. Um, because there was there was a little bit of doubt, let's say, um, with respect to leadership even. So Yeah. Yeah, I, I I think I you know I think that that that's one of sort of the first questions that pops up in 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 the book certainly is just you know, uh, and you see it 
it, it's a focus of it's just a through line all the way through, but it, it it sort of leads leads a little bit heavier with that of just like what constitutes a good leader. And and part of leader leadership too is just what constitutes a good leader is also the question of how do you make room for everybody's voice? And so that everyone can that can, because everyone needs to contribute. But again, when you're so different, does that actually work? You know, and how do you make it work? And 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 in a lot of ways, the book is very much about these three very separate voices in these three very separate perspectives. And when the stakes are so high, is there a common ground for uh, for them? And and again, that's very much a reaction to you know the very splintered, very contentious sort of part space that we're at we're at now in society. Um, but that's definitely something that, that's kind of at play in this stuff as, as, as well. I, I feel like I'm, t- <laughs> I feel like I talk, I'm talking so seriously about this stuff, but it really is about a dog with a, with a jetpack in it and a cat with like armor that makes, that makes it destroy stuff. Like, I mean, also can't like <laughs> ignore any, any of that either. And they fight aliens and giant robots and. And and even more and even more fun stuff. And and in issue three, there's a general with a hamburger for his head. Um, like there, it, it's not all just like this weighty sort of uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. This, this weighty social commentary stuff. So, what excites you both about getting this story out into the world? Here's your chance to be the, the positivity and spin it that way, right? <laughs> I, honestly, I cannot wait for people to see Jesse's art uh, on this. I I when I got Jesse's first few pages in. I was actually at a party with other comic book people and I was showing it off and I was, and I was like, this is the most comic book I've ever comic booked. Like, this is great. This is, you know, this is, it's all this sort of this, this crazy stuff. And, you know, I, I, I've said this before to, to people and all of the credit goes to Eric Harburner, editor for this, but like Jesse's comics at that point, anyway, because Hell, Hellboy, Mr. Seal hadn't come out yet. So many of Jesse's comics were sort of like the sci-fi sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But his Instagram was all these like cute creatures. And Eric was just like, he's never done cute creatures with his sci-fi. This could be the perfect project to bring that together. And we're like, no, it sounds great. So to, to have a project where it's like, oh, as a Jesse Lodigan fan, I get to see his his cute creatures with all his crazy with all his cool sci-fi stuff, with all his great storytelling. Like it's everything I want as a fan of his art. So Yeah, like I mean, it's I, I feel like we've gotten into like the sort of more like complexity stuff but it it is like this you know like story of friendship and like and and it and i feel like it's also like tying into sort of these like classic sci-fi like it yeah i I feel like it at at once it's sort of like a new story and it's something different but there's also like these these familiar aspects that come back of like you know this this these kinds of relationships that that we have with people and like you know getting through hardships um and also like sort of like i don't, I don't know this just, just this fun adventure you know that that you get to go on and all these these different worlds you get to see and stuff and in a way like i feel one of the things that's that's really cool about it and it's sort of different from a lot of things that i feel like i, I interact with now is that it it is it's fast like like it's it's world after world after world after world. And I feel like, <laughs> yeah. like 
you often get this like you're like you're gonna watch this new movie and it promises you see like you're gonna see this 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 and this and it's like no you're gonna see like one setting and, <laughs> and that's where you're gonna be and so like where they are like in at the beginning of issue one like they're out of there in like four pages and like you know and where they are at the end <laughs> of issue two like they're gone from that like four pages in like you know and just like it it keeps moving and it it's like really sort of like this fast-paced fun adventure um that i feel it's i feel other things promise but um <laughs> it, it really is um well you can hold me responsible if i got too deep there i, I apologize <laughs> no, 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 no 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 yeah yeah we'll, we'll we'll keep that rolling in the in the the upbeat right so I think <laughs> I'd be remiss. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you both about your own pets. Like I love to give people a chance to brag on them. It's kind of a frequent thing I do. So do either of you have them? And 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 give them give them a glowing recommendation <laughs> to all the people. I grew, I grew up with dogs. I grew up with three dogs. I don't. I don't even have plants anymore. I so can't handle commitment and responsibility <laughs> and like having to be home at a certain hour. Um, but I grew up around three dogs. That said, though, I am, because of probably that background, I am the go-to uh, pet sitter amongst all my friends. So uh, as a result, I spend some time with cats. I spend some time with dogs. I, there was a dog that I, I um, uh, a, a, there was a dog that I, I pet sat a lot that did not make it into the book. But, um, and, but that, that dog is just crazy. That dog is crazy. And um, there's not enough energy in the book to contain that dog. And, uh, and so he was, uh, but, but yeah, but, um, so there, but, but all these, I mean, the, the three pets at the center of the book, they're all based on, on, um, they're all bets based on the pets of friends, which I feel like means I've all based them on my friends because the pets pretty much just have my friends' personalities. So. Yeah. Uh, right. Right. I've had a lot of pets like uh growing up and stuff but right now uh there's just a turtle um uh -huh. turtles uh, are cool kinda, i love turtles. behind me yeah he's 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 old um uh, he's uh he was my wife's turtle as like a child so he he's yeah. at least 35 like you know yeah. he's he's older than like some comic book creators you know and like <laughs> he's like you know just like this size he does what a turtle does which is just sort of like it, walk around, eat, take baths. Um, you know, um, not not quite the same as as a dog, um, but yeah. And then there was yeah, lots of dogs growing up. My parents still both have dogs, so um, and my wife's parents too. Um, all lots of animals around. Well, not really a question, but thank you for kind of including a disabled character with the golden retriever as a disabled person myself. I really appreciate that representation. We don't we don't really get to see a lot. So um, thank you, either or both of you that decided to include that in there. That that was really appreciated. I, I'm trying to remember. How, was that you or is that me? I actually have I can't remember at all where how that decision I feel came. Like, um, I don't remember how it came about. Uh, it, it was you know last April. I was looking at like when the files for stuff was out. It was like, <laughs> I know, I know. Like I do not remember the order. Yeah, uh, of events yeah. of things that happened yesterday. I know it's so uh, true. So, so last April, what, <laughs> one of the fun things about this book has been sort of like even down to the designs is bouncing things back and forth 
uh, me and Jesse bouncing things sort of back and forth. So as a result, I have a tendency not to remember where certain ideas, ideas started from. Like, you know, Jesse mentioned like Lovey did not originally start off as the name of Lovey. It was a different animal, a different dog altogether. And I don't remember what dog like was that a was. Terrier or something? Like yeah, that sounds probably Jack sounds Russell, probably. maybe or something. Uh, yeah. I do have a bulldog. I, yeah, I, yeah. I hate those things. <laughs> really? What, why? Man. Why? What? I just okay. So I feel they're the we, they're the best small dog. Like <laughs> I don't um, I don't know if there is a best small dog, right? Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm a big dog person. Right? So all the, all these tattoos on my armor oh, wow. are they're memorial tattoos for our dogs. Wow. Um, so like I just don't like little dogs. Like I don't like a dog. <laughs> yeah. I'm a clumsy human. Like by yeah. birth, it just oh, happens yeah. that way. And I'm yeah. afraid I would break little dogs, like just not paying attention. I'm in the kitchen, I'm cooking, mm-hmm. I turn around, I step on them. And then I got to explain to my wife why I killed the dog. And like, I never yeah. want to have that conversation. So I don't <laughs> like little dogs. Plus they have, the. I mean, some people really love it, but they have the biggest personalities and that tendency. Yeah. I think people who get little dogs, they're like, oh, because, because they're, Maybe they're the commitment averse people, or maybe they're like, if they're smaller, then they're less to take care of and they're easier and they don't have as much this, that, and the other. They have the biggest everything, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. The biggest attitudes, like yeah. the most problems genetically, <laughs> like they're a pain in the ass. Yeah. Sorry, little dog <laughs> lovers. Forever. Sorry. Live forever, yeah, too. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think I it might remember. be like what you touched on with like, well, people think they're less work yeah and so may- maybe part of it is like the people who own them don't put all the work like like if, if you have oh, like, it, like owners who have like german shepherds it's like this dog is potentially dangerous you need to train yes, it you yeah need to, like, yes be careful yeah. and, and everybody getting a german shepherd hopefully knows that going in like and right. so they're, they're prepared while you you get your tiny little dog and you're like this isn't going to hurt anybody it can't hurt anybody yeah and so like the the most aggressive dogs I've ever dealt with were tiny little dogs oh, that, exactly. that like, you know and it's like yeah it can bite me and I will be okay <laughs> yeah. as opposed to like a pit bull or whatever but like yeah. I don't want to be bit um, <laughs> so, um, but I've definitely like that, I think that's on on the owners because there's definitely have been like little dogs I've dealt with that have been totally fine. Um, it, it's not quite the same as like, you know, I, I like, you know, golden retrievers are a good sized dog. Like that sort of, are they medium? Are they large? I, I forget. They, I mean, they, they're, I, they're on the, they're on the larger end yeah, of medium. Them large, but then, yeah. uh, then there are like the really big dogs that I'm yeah, like, yeah. that's a little scary. Wolfhounds. Like the, that's what I want. That, I want the, the wolfhounds yeah. where it's like, yeah. it's like yeah. getting close to like a pony. Um, yeah like like the ones where it's like i think they if if you're walking them they can they pose a serious challenge to if they want to go somewhere that's that's too big for me like if if it's like i think you could actually pull me wherever you want to go that's why they have to be trained like training training, it's all about about the training uh well what else you got both got cooking in 2024 Jesse, um, go first. Well, uh, yeah, Jesse, go first. Uh, well, there's a collection, collected edition of uh, Miss Truesdale, uh, which was a, a book I did in the Hellboy universe with Mike Mignola last year. Uh, that just came out this week. Um, it's a hardcover and has 
know, all the issues and then like a sketchbook section in the back. Um, I think that that's all I can talk about right now. Um, okay. Yeah, that and that? this that's that's, uh, that's enough for twenty twenty four. Yeah, right yeah. Uh, yeah. For, for me, this I've suddenly realized this is like this is this is a very busy twenty twenty four for me because I'll actually have like two books out this year as opposed to my usual one a year, one every sort of two years. So in the back half of the year, I I'll be having another image project come out that I can't talk about yet, but uh, I'm really excited about. Okay. Where can people find you? Where would you like to be found online? The like question is is the hardest part. Um, Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I am real underscore pornsec on Twitter. I still call it Twitter. I'm never going to change. I'm not going to call you. it anything else. Uh, I'm real underscore psac on Instagram, and I'm pornsec on Blue Sky. Just to make it absolutely difficult. And absolutely a headache for people to keep. Why you do work. that for people? Oh my god! Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't want to. So the fun fact, fun fact about Instagram is, you can't actually put the syllable "porn" in your username on Instagram. Oh, really? Didn't so, know that. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. They won't let you. It took a lot of trial and error for me to realize that was what that because like literally every version of my name is like your not available. Not like, yeah, so my oh. name is completely banned. So I couldn't do that. And and then when Blue Sky came out, it's like all I've ever wanted to do is just porn tech is the simplest thing. Just a porn tech at whatever they think. That's what I want. That's what I wanted. And that one was actually available. And I still think it was probably a mistake. I probably should have just kept it as a, as a Twitter handle. And I'm probably I'm sure I'm going to regret that. Uh, I'm Jesse Lonergan, pretty much some variation. <laughs> I think on Instagram I'm Jesse dot Lonergan. Uh, right. Twitter I think I'm Jesse Lonergan. Um, plural. How did that uh, happen? How did the S go, go on Lonergan? I, I, I some, uh, some other Jesse Lonergan beat me. Okay. Beat me it. Um, <laughs> okay. But I mean, like, with all of those things, if you just type in my name, I'll, I'll yeah, yeah, probably be the first one that comes up. I, I, I think I might be the most famous of the Jesse Lonergan. <laughs> nice. I don't know how many there are. There's one Australian rules football player um, <laughs> who, who might beat me out uh, in terms okay. of followers or whatever. But, um, but if, if you're seeing lots of pictures of some athlete, that's not me. Isn't it fun to go back and see who else is you? Like, who else has your name? Because um, the other I mean, me uh, is a lawyer in Texas. And, like, okay. we've been back and forth at times on, oh, like, right. who is the most socially relevant. Not that I'm paying attention. I would never do that. <laughs> just... so, oh, it, it is sort of interesting with the, the athlete aspect. Because I think he, oh, yeah. I think he's younger than me, and he's retired. Like I, I, <laughs> I think like I witnessed his his career. Like wow, like, well, because like fifty yeah, years it's, it's, for an athlete yeah. is an incredibly long career. That's so, a like long a comic career, book yeah. artist, like fifteen years is like yeah, just just yeah. getting started or whatever. Right. Um, yep. but, so yeah, there there has been that like rise and fall. There, there was a I think a VJ in Singapore. But with the first name Pornsack, and I am nowhere near as many followers as, as, as he, he <laughs> smokes me in every conceivable way on social media. But nobody and I think can probably retire too. Still, like, kicks my ass. Yeah, but DJs, like, uh, like people follow DJs on yeah. all social media. So what do you do? Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to end on this positive note, try to make it not so deep. Um, <laughs> li- so listeners, this book made me smile, right? So if you've been listening for a while now, when have I ever said 
a book release. <laughs> it's a delightful little story. And there's a, a, a thread that we all can embrace, right? Hope. This is the thing that I'm taking from it. If I had to encapsulate it in one word, there's a hope to it, at least for me, the first issue. It may change, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm still trying to reconcile how Pornsack wrote this and Infidel and the good agent, but we're going to chalk it up into him being that good and working with such excellent people like Jesse who encourage him to be that much better. How's that? How's that? Is that positive enough? Jesse does the hard work on this, man. It's easy to shift when I can just rely on Jesse to put in like 10 black panels and people are like, that's genius. It was. No, it is. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. Great to be able to, to, to the, the least drawing I did was the most notable <laughs> thing. He uh, put those squares down. It's like he spent a long time designing robots okay. and stuff, but those black squares, amazing. <laughs> but it uh, takes okay. balls to do that. It really does. Like that, that is a confidence. I mean, I will say I, I that. Because, so. I, I feel yeah, like I've yeah. heard that one before. People talk about like, oh, he's so, so brave. I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> sitting at a desk, man. Like I'm sitting at a desk in Pennsylvania drawing pictures. Like you know, well, there's no fires anywhere. Like <laughs> as somebody who worked in music, though, like I I found your work to have a, like a tempo to it, a rhythm, you know, yeah. and that that is what really stood out with those panels and why I locked on it, right? Yeah, because it was yeah. that breathable moment. It was that moment right in the song before you know the. The drumsticks are up in the air. There's that right, pause right. in the air right before everything goes nuts, right? Like, that's well, what like, that was. Uh, and I was like, so good. It's like uh, in Waiting Room, right? Uh, Fugazi, like Waiting Room. Like, they just stop, like, really yep. early in the song. And it's a mm. long stop. Like, and it's like, not many bands will just stop dead 30 seconds into a song and just be like, yep, we're not playing for eight mm. seconds or however long it is. Um, so yeah, I guess I see it, but, um, yeah. <laughs> so man stress number one, uh, man stress number one drops when exactly? I know release schedules are crazy. So March 20th. And I believe the FOC is February 24th or 26th. It's, it's cut 26. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I, think 26. It's the I think that's okay, the, okay. It's the Monday. F- FOCs are always Monday, right? So yeah, it's the 26th. Okay, we'll drop you on a Friday so we get in ahead of that and encourage some cool. people to buy this positive, uplifting, hopeful book that has nothing deep in it at all, right? Oh. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right. Hornsack, Jesse, thanks so much for taking the time to join me on the show today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. All right. This is Brian O'Neill on behalf of all of us at Comic Book Yeti. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Take care, everybody. This is Byron O'Neill, one of your hosts of the Cryptid Creator Corner, brought to you by Comic Book Yeti. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of our podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. It lets us know how we're doing, and more importantly, how we can improve. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the Cryptid Creator Corner, maybe you would enjoy our sister podcast, Into the Comics Cave. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Galvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank 
and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one. All you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the Department of Metahuman Affairs or DMA and check it out right now. 